In this week's update, completely confused whether inflation is entrenched or transient. Do you even care? And how should an investor position themselves? My name is Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. <coughs> Big pardon. Okay, let's start with the market perspective. Um, markets in general, and I'm speaking across the whole spectrum, including currencies and bonds and real estate, as well as stock markets. So over the last um, 30, 40 years, central banks have intervened in a way that has completely disturbed the normal balances and markets are now more stretched in terms of uh, valuation and risk than, than they've ever been. So that's the backdrop to where we are. And we're now in this very unique situation where everyone is completely fixated on inflation, and hence interest rates, and then hence from interest rates, the stock direction. Um, and and th this is the most important issue for markets. So if people perceive that inflation is going to be hanging around for a long period of time, and therefore interest rates are going to need to be higher for longer, then that is going to have a, a huge effect on the stock market. So this is a, an absolutely critical question, yet the inflation data, is, and this has been confusing me since the start of 2022, the inflation data is so inherently unreliable and misleading because it depends on how it's presented. It's presented chopped up and presented in all sorts of different ways, leaving things in, putting things, taking things out, and also who is presenting it. So in other words, how it's being interpreted is someone basically um, an inflation bull or an inflation bear. You can present the data in all sorts of different ways. And I've just read so many interpretations of late that I'm completely confused whether we've actually got a serious inflation problem or not. Um, there's just been so many, so many different takes on it. So <clears throat> is it structural? Is it, is it something that's really serious and it's gonna hang around for a long period of time? In which case, stock markets in general, not all sections of the stock market, but stock markets in general, have got a huge problem. They really do. Um, or is it just temporary? Is it going to pass through? Is it merely a transitory phase that we're going through and inflation, given the interest rates that have already happened, is being effectively um, you know, contained and curtailed and, <clears throat> and stock markets can get on and, and do whatever they want to do? Now, I don't know the answer to that question, and I don't think anyone else does really either. They can guess at it, but I don't think anyone really knows at this stage. But the key thing here is that many previous strategies that used to work in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even the 90s, they're not working anymore because markets are so stretched. And because we're, we're now in a, in a brave new world that um, you know, the quantitative easing has, um, has created. So therefore, risk management has never been more vital. And in speaking with a lot of people, as I have the opportunity to do, um, no, one, no one seems to really appreciate the fact that you can mitigate risk with most things. Most, a lot of people seem to feel that they're just a victim of the stock market that there's nothing much that we can do. And if the stock market wants to go up or down, well, you know, so be it. And we've just got to cop the consequences. And that's, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. There's actually a lot of things that we can do to help manage risk. 
And those that just keep plodding along, doing the same old thing, you know, taking some recommendations, buying some stocks that they think should perform well, but they don't really know, then I think over the long term, those people are going to pay a heavy price. And that's probably the majority of the investing population. So how best to not only protect our capital, but to really prosper? Because we don't want to just you know, hide and just protect our capital. We've got to make a, a, a return. And if we can, without taking too much risk, we want to make a really good return. So how do we really prosper? There's a number of parts to this, but for me, there are three three key things. First of all, stock selection, because, you know, what, why would you want to own a broad cross-section of the stock market knowing that some parts are going to be underperforming? Why wouldn't you just try and cherry-pick the parts that have a very high probability of performing well? The second thing is the methodology. Um, you know, most people don't give any thought at all to how they'll buy things, how they'll take profit, how they'll protect their capital. There's just, you know, there's no game plan there at all. And the third thing is just being really seriously organized, understanding what it is you want to buy. I'll come to that on the next slide. So these are some of the stock selection musts from my point of view. There's, there's quite a lot of them, but these are just a couple of the key ones. But I, I go through this in, in great depth with, um, with members. They've got to have powerful tailwinds for earnings growth. For, for many years to come. You know, that's that's pretty much a given. And there are parts of the market where that is the case. Now, sure, the prices will have their ups and downs, but I'm talking about the growth of earnings of the business, which, which is really quite often in the shorter term, it's a separate issue. So if you've got a stock that can reliably grow in this sort of environment for years to come, then eventually the price will follow. You need top-class management because without that, not, not a lot else really happens. So that's a that's a given. And you want growth and you and you don't want to overpay for it. You know, through um, a lot of the last 10 years, investors have been paying way too much for the growth. You know, they've they've ticked the growth box. They've ticked the quality box, but then they were prepared to pay, you know, 50 times or 80 times earnings to to get it, which is just crazy. You know, if you've got to pay that much, then it's just not worth it. So you've got to be able to get that growth at a price that gives you a margin for error, limits your downside, and allows the upside to be realized. Second, methodology and strategy. You've got to own it, and this is really important, I don't think anyone really gives this too much thought. To me, you've got to own stocks in such a way that your psychology can deal with the volatility, because we are going to have volatility. Whether inflation is structural or whether it's transitory is not the point. We're going to have volatility regardless, I believe, because markets are so stretched. So therefore, you need to, to buy and hold in a certain way, in certain position sizes that your psychology can accommodate that volatility and you don't get scared out of a position, what is a, a good long-term position, you don't get scared out of it by short-term volatility. And there are, there are numerous things that you can do. Many ways to mitigate risk. Just most people don't ever stop to think about them. And the final thing is organisation. It's not a difficult thing to, to sit down and figure out what you want your portfolio to look like, which sections of the, of the economy are you, um, are you looking to gain exposure to, what are the best stocks in those sectors, and to have a big list of potential targets. 
again, I see you know too many people get their heart set on owning a particular stock, and then they'll rationalise a way to, to get into it. And it's just not the way to do it. Just have a big list of stocks, have an idea of what price you're comfortable paying, and just buy whatever comes into that range. And you know, if, it, if the stock that you've got your heart set on doesn't come into that range, then so be it. So that is the way forward, I believe. And none of us have to be victims to whatever the stock market wants to dish out. That's the key message for today. Now, American stocks, the S&P was down uh, 0.3 for the week, but it was options expiry. And there's always just so much blatant manipulation goes on in the American market in the few days leading into options expiry that who really knows? I think we've, we've just got to look at options expiry week and you know, just shrug our shoulders, I guess, um, and not conclude too much from it. The indices are still in a bullish orientation, um, is the way that I read it, and they're just consolidating the prior move. And I don't think there's any evidence. I've, I've been reading of late that there's evidence that markets are topping. Well, I can't see it, to be honest. All I can see, uh, as I'll show you in a minute, is just consolidation of the prior move. Now, the US dollar index, <coughs> pardon me, US dollar index was higher to 103.89. The 10-year yield was up again, so we've pushed back up from um, 3.4s. We're now back up to 3.8. Um, and that's, you know, that's weighing on the market a little bit. But if, you know, if that had happened last year in 2022, then the markets would have sold off very heavily. But they didn't. And, you know, they're not at the moment. The VIX is still steady around about 20 and the 10-year, two-year spread is um, is gone even a little deeper into the negative, 0.78. So the bond market's certainly saying recession, that's for sure. All right, here's the S&P. So I've been saying for some time now that the character has changed. We're seeing much more bullish action than, um, than we saw in 2022. You can see we've formed higher highs, higher lows. We've broken out of this downtrending channel. We're getting a little consolidation here at the moment, but I'm not seeing anything in these candles that suggests a topping pattern to me. It's just it's just a you know sideways consolidation. Nothing particularly remarkable about that at all. Let's look at some of the spreads, and then I'll have a look at the Nasdaq. So this is the weekly chart of uh, large cap growth versus large cap value. So this tells us whether the money is. Uh, going into the more um, uh, aggressive sectors, the more growth sectors of the market on a big picture view. And you can see we've had quite a strong rebound. Now, I really want to get back above this level here. So we're not there yet. But certainly, and bear in mind, this is a weekly chart. But since early January, so the six or seven weeks we've had to date, it's actually moved up quite strongly. This is the NASDAQ 100 versus the S&P. And there's no question that money, more money has been flowing into the NASDAQ than has been relative to the S&P. So that one's quite clear. Really important, semiconductors versus the S&P. We've broken to um, several new highs. We had a pullback on Thursday and Friday in semiconductors. But again, I just at this stage, I'm putting that down to options expiry because stocks that have done well in the week's run-up, and semiconductors certainly had, there were so many that were breaking out that, 
you know, it's, it's not at all unusual to see some manipulation over a period of a day or two. And I think at this stage, that's, that's all I'm prepared to put this down to. So I'm still seeing a very positive tailwind indication from, um, from the semiconductors. And this is consumer discretionary versus staples. Um, as I've been saying, less importance for this when we, you've got Amazon and particularly Tesla, which are the major components of this index, uh, are proving to be so volatile, particularly Tesla. So that's, they're just having an absolutely outsized effect on, um, on this particular ratio. All right, so that's the, um, that's the US market. Um, I'll go back and look at the currencies uh, in a minute. The Australian dollar, um, the low 68s is where we sit at the moment. We lost 1.2% across the week. Um, a lot of that was because of the banks, the CBA result with a big provision for, um, for debts, um, questionable debts was, uh, was not well received by the market. So CBA was a big, a big loser. Uh, down about well, 6% on the day, I think, and that dragged the other banks down. Um, and of course, that, uh, that dragged the, um, the overall index down as well. There we go. All right, so let's take a look at the, uh, first of all, we'll look at the US dollar. So just pushing up, back up to this uh, prior support level, that's now going to be offering some resistance. Um, so the the US dollar is at a um, is at a pretty key level at the moment, and it will have impact on uh, on stocks. So we're in this we're in this little range here between 100 uh, and a half and 104. So keep an eye on the US dollar, and there's the Aussie dollar finishing um, finishing just over 68. So if we look at the ASX 200. You can see sharply down on Wednesday, sharply down on Friday. And if we look at materials, they came off a little bit from a from a big double top, which is what you'd expect. But look, it's all pretty minor. These are all pretty small range candles. There's nothing particularly, um, you know, nothing particularly noteworthy about the volume. So it was a fairly calm week for materials, but it was uh, it was finance. It was, you know, this huge um, down day on Wednesday for the banks that really impacted the um, the overall index for the week. Now, if we turn to gold, gold on a weekly candle, um, you can see we, we have broken down from support. We, we broke through that level about three weeks ago. We had a bit of a doji week uh, the prior week, a bit undecided, but then uh, headed lower. So this is the key level here around uh, 1805, 1810. We actually hit a low of 1819. So we're getting pretty close. And if you look at it on a, um, on a daily chart though, quite a nice reversal on Friday. So that's where we sit with gold. It was the correction that I was looking for. I didn't know whether the correction was gonna come back to here, around 1875, or back to here. I'll be surprised if it breaks 1800. That that would not be good for um, for gold, but eighteen hundred is um, is okay in in terms of twenty twenty three being a bullish environment for gold stocks. And if we look at the the global indices, this is GDXJ. So again, nothing terribly dramatic in um, in the global gold indices, stock indices. Um, we had a bit of selling here the week before last, but um, you know, it's all looking fairly orderly at the moment. 
All right, so just summarising precious metals, gold 1843 was the finish. That translates to 27.05 in Australian dollars, which two years ago would have been fabulous profit territory. But of course, now cost escalation in the gold mining industry has been very significant. And uh, a lot of stocks that uh, that had uh, costs, all in sustaining costs around the 12, 1300 mark are now getting up towards the 17, 1800, even $2,000 an ounce mark. So still still profitable, but not as much as they were. So 1800 remains the key support there. And we've got, and we've had for some time, this interesting situation where the retail market is still selling. You can see that in the in the fund outflows from the, um, the major um, global gold indices or glo global ETFs. So retail still selling, but central banks are buying. And that's been the, <clears throat> that's been the case for the last uh, 12 months or so. And as I said, globally, stocks down a little bit. But look, it's still positioning itself. If, you know, if you're a believer in, in gold and, and gold stocks, then I think there's a good setup still building. I don't think we're quite there yet, but but I think that's that's where we're headed. But um, if you're not a believer in gold and you're not sure what gold is going to do, then my recommendation, as it has been now for several years, is rather than buy a gold producer, is to go for an advanced developer, because then you can get some price uplift, because the project is becoming de-risked, rather than just relying on the gold price to to move the share price, because that may or may not happen. So that's that's the situation. But if you are going to go for an advanced developer, then make sure you go for an absolutely world-class one. And there are a couple of those in Australia. Turning to other commodities, copper was uh, was steady, uh, just on $4. Nickel, though, gave back a bit, back to eleven sixty. Crude oil came back from 80, back to 76. Um, and energy stocks in America sold off quite hard. Now, I've said mysteriously, but it, again, it could well be that um, that it was just options expiring. So we'll you know we'll get a better handle on that next week. The U.S. inventory, oil inventories rose, so that that had some impact on uh, on the oil price. There's the copper price, no change, and the nickel price down a little bit. So wrapping things up, for me, success is always about being just really clear, crystal clear about what you're doing, what your process is how you're going to buy and sell, and then getting organized so that you are tracking the stocks that you're interested in, you know roughly where it is that you want to get in, and you're doing it in such an organized fashion that you don't miss things. Because sometimes the stock that you want at the price that you want to pay for it may not materialize for three or six months. And so you've got to be highly organized to not miss out when that opportunity does present. So for most investors, you can either do the hard yards yourself, and, and there are considerable hard yards if you want to do this properly, um, or you can get someone else to assist you in that process. And that's frankly what most people should do because they don't have the time, they don't have the interest, and they don't have the inclination to, to do the hard yards. Doing a half job in the middle, which is what the vast majority try to do, really turns out well. And if you just reflect on your results over the last year, five years, 10 years, you know, have a think about that, that question um, from, you know, from a long-term investing perspective. Portfolio analysts last week, uh, we looked at uh, trading channels, 
which are, um, there's quite a lot of at the moment. We've got a lot of sideways movement happening. And then we also looked at my uh, my watch list for rare earth. So this is, you know, with members, I'm going through all of the, all of the organisation that that I've had in place now for some time, looking at um, at all the targets uh, in these various uh, areas that have got very high probability of um, of being uh, quite profitable in coming years. So that's it for this week. There's my um, email address, and there's more information on the website. And I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers. It is quite easy to lose money in the stock market without well thought out, sensible rules applied consistently. Any advice in this video is general advice only. Neither your personal objectives, financial situation or needs have been taken into consideration. Accordingly, you should consider how appropriate the advice, if any, is to those objectives, financial situation and needs before acting on the advice. Gary Davis, AR317590, is an authorised representative of Primary Securities, AFSL 224107. Past performance should not be taken as an indicator of future returns. And a note to traders, the publishers of this material wish to disclose that they may hold this stock in their portfolios and that any decision to purchase this stock should be done so after the purchaser has made their own inquiries as to the validity of any information in this material.